Welcome to Minority Landlords Podcast, your manual to financial freedom. Are you looking to escape the nine to five rat race? Do you want to earn passive income while building generational wealth for you and your family and don't know how to get started? Well, you're at the right place. Here at Minority Landlords, we're here to help educate minorities about real estate investing. And now your host, Pepe Amoti. Hey, this is Pepe with a new episode of Minority Landlords Podcast. I'm super psyched. I know I always say this, but this one is so far my favorite because each and every one of y'all out there need to learn and know and understand how to analyze deals. This is by far the most important process when it comes to being a real estate investor. You got to make sure that you spend time to learn and get really good at analyzing deals to ensure that you are buying right, not just for the sake of losing, not losing money, but also most importantly, you don't want to end up buying a piece of headache that will make you hate real estate forever. There's deals out there that will make you lose sleep if you end up buying wrong. I try to give beginners all the necessary resources so that when you buy your first purchase, you hit a gold mine because once your first purchase is a home run, you will be super confident in jumping into the next and the next and keep snowballing from there. But for those that don't hit a jackpot on your first deal, that's fine. Don't give up. Keep trying and use the failure as a learning opportunity. I've gone through how to analyze and make sure you are buying right here and there, but I want this episode to provide you all with a step-by-step manual to follow. You can always come back to, to this episode whenever you're trying to analyze a deal, if you forget anything. I will give you all an actual example using a current deal, a 10-unit apartment that I'm analyzing in Ohio. I want to give you all the address or the actual rent numbers though. I'll make up dummy numbers and make up a little bit of a dummy sale price. It will be super close, but the point is I want you all to learn how to do this. But at the same time, I don't want you all to be able to know what property I'm talking about that's current because it's currently on sale and it might not be legally right and I don't want the sellers to come after me. Hence why I dummified some numbers. But today's episode will be practical so feel free to get your pen and paper and play around with the numbers with me so let's get at it so this is a 7574 square feet 10 unit apartment in a town in ohio i've done my homework and it's an upcoming neighborhood with a good rental market and overall i'd rate it as a c plus or b minus something around there first of all before we analyze this beautiful 10 unit structure i'll go ahead and give you all some things you need to keep in mind when analyzing deals every time you try to analyze deal keep some stuff in mind the first of all is financing what's your budget that's obvious right how much are you planning to spend on a deal you need to know that second talk about this million times and that's location you have to ensure that you are buying in a in a good location with low crime rate 
good school system close to college if possible and other and, and other factors so only look to whatever location you've identified research and understand the market make sure that you understand the market even if it's an out-of-state market that you're trying to branch into make sure you understand it number three you need to understand and lay out your strategy are you trying to buy a turnkey property turnkey basically means it's ready to go and you can start collecting rent on day one or are you looking for some value add where you fix up the property here and there and to make it better before renting it out or to improve it for the existing tenants once you've thought of the three stuff i just mentioned and you've found a property that you're interested in now you get into the actual analysis of that property and number one when you're analyzing the first thing you have to understand is you have to understand the market comps comps basically means comparables or what other homes similar with this one with same bedroom and whatnot have sold for in that particular area recently this can be done more for a single family or small multi-family units because a lot of time the value of those properties overlap each other if they're in the same area meaning that if i have a duplex in in my area that is pretty similar to another duplex that have a similar number of bedrooms bathroom floor plans and etc that got sold let's say for four hundred thousand dollars it will be very unlikely that someone else will pay five hundred thousand for mines when they can see clearly with just few searches research online that similar property was sold for such and such you might ask yourself baby how will they know how much their neighbor's home was sold for well all these are public data you can even find that info on zillow and all over the web if you just type the property's address and you will see a bunch of data on it you'll you'll be able to see when it was sold the tax history point is understand the market comps in your area when analyzing that will serve as a good tool especially for smaller unit properties which is where majority of y'all should be starting at but keep in mind market comps though are more accurate with single family duplexes triplexes and fourplexes sometimes triplexes and fourplexes can be valued differently too based on the amount of income they are generating but still especially if you are buying a single family or duplex mark my word the market comps are very important once you get into bigger units let's say five plex plus then a lot of time the comps are more focused on what the property is generating to to determine its value and not just the gross income but also the profit what's what's the profit for that particular property because then it's been seen as a business number two you have to ask your agents how old major key items are such as the roof heating systems both water heater and the homes heating system any issue with the foundation and such you have to understand those stuff those are major ticket items the foundation that's very important foundation can cost you thousands of dollars the heating systems can cost a can cost a lot the roof can cost a lot some can even be over fifty thousand dollars so be very careful and understand how all those what i call big ticket items are the reason why it's very important to know how all they are is so that when you give an offer you, you, you are putting an an offer in keeping in mind these items might need to be replaced sooner or later and if they need to be replaced sooner and you really want the property then you just give a lower price putting those ticket items into consideration number four ask the lender how financing will work and what financing route y'all will take know how much down payments you need to put down what will be the interest rate roughly 
will be a rough estimate of closing costs and such. If you've done several deals before, you don't even need to ask the lender. You should have a rough estimate of what to expect when it comes to financing aspect of things. But I always highly recommend folks to check with their lender to just ensure that the financing terms and whatnot are what they're expecting or what they will be willing to work with. Number five, get income data from your agents. You need to understand how the property is performing. Don't just agree with everything the agent or seller is telling you, but research yourself too and see if there's any discrepancies with it. Ask your agent to ask the seller for all the information possible. Some agents need their hands held, so you better be pushing for everything instead of just relaxing. Remember, real estate is a big money investment game, so make sure you take the process very seriously. If it's a multifamily, ask for at least two years of profit and loss statement, ask for two years of tax returns, and ask for maintenance history. Ask for rent rolls as well, a rent roll spreadsheet if there's one, so you can see the consistency on which tenants are paying. Like I've said before, lot of landlords out there right now in this age when evictions are hard there's landlords out there selling properties with deadbeat tenants so seeing a spreadsheet of some sort can give you an idea and a sense what kind of tenant you've been inheriting these days i would prefer buying property with no tenants at all so, so that i could be able to do my own vetting and get people i choose myself but Financing is usually easier if the property is already fully occupied and they go and usually they go off of what the property is producing for the banks to determine whether or not they want to finance the property. For this data gathering part, don't be shy to ask for as many info as possible. All financial data you can ask for it. Only factual data too. That's another thing I have to raise. Just ask for actual data. I've had some sellers provide me with performers. Yeah, those a lot of times are biased. Basically, for those who don't know, performer data, estimated data or numbers, basically the estimates. You see them say rent is currently, let's say $1,000 a month, but if you, you add some value to the property and raise rent, etc., it will be 1,200. That's a performer, not an actual current number they are just estimating. I would say create your own performer rather than basing your decision based on performer the seller provides. From the seller, just focus on actual current numbers. Don't even care about what they say. Oh, this should be this, that's the market. No, do your homework. If whatever the market rent is, yeah, understand that yourself, but don't just base your decision based on the performer numbers that the seller is providing you. Once you have all your income data from the seller, which in this case, I got all the information I needed for this 10 units property. Now you start analyzing it to refresh your memory i know how much money i have in hand and i've narrowed my search on what i can afford i went and i found a property in a desirable area and zip code in ohio right close to the university which checks my criteria as well it's not a too shabby neighborhood probably c c plus to b minus like i said and i found this property in LoopNet, which has the following dummified numbers so let's get to it the purchase price for this property is five hundred and thirty thousand dollars the number of units is 10 units which consists of eight two bedrooms and two one bedrooms and all of them are fully occupied the gross rent currently is $74,000, which is a little bit below market value, but that's fine. Like I said, I don't care about the performance. I, I can figure the performance aspect of it myself. I just want current data and that's what I want to play with. Taxes is $5,000 a year. Keep taxes in mind, folks. Keep taxes in mind and make sure you really look deeper into it because taxes will eat up your profit, guys. Example is I was analyzing this six units a month ago in 
Connecticut and taxes for 2019 was $4,000. 2020, taxes were over $10,000. I was shocked and backed out right away. I asked the seller, what's going on? Just a year ago, it was $4,000, $10,000. Like, yep, that's what it is. I was very shocked. This basically explains why this seller was selling because their taxes just went up. Probably now they're not making any money in that building anymore. But I shouldn't have been surprised as we all know, Connecticut is a bankrupt state, right? As of this year, it's one of the states with the highest real estate taxes in the country right after New Hampshire. It goes New Jersey as number one, Illinois, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Vermont, Wisconsin. Y'all should avoid these states for investment purposes because the taxes are just way too high. I mean, if you can somehow make it there, that's fine, go for it, but just keep in mind, if you go to New Jersey, Vermont, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Illinois, Wisconsin, those areas, when it's come to taxes, they're the worst. So keep that in mind. And if you're looking into anything in those areas, the first thing you should look up is how much the real estate taxes are annually before you even waste your time like I did. Okay, let's go back. So purchase price is $530,000. Gross rent is $74,000. Taxes is $5,000. Insurance is $3,200 a year. All those are annual and your numbers by the way water sewer and trash is seven thousand dollars because the landlord will be paying for those hallway electric is four hundred dollars tenants pay for their own electric and gas so zero cost to me hence why i'll just be paying for hallway electric maintenance is four thousand dollars there's no management fees because um why they call me el chipo and i'll manage it myself from out of state vacancy I don't really personally account for this for small deals, but I would say it's something to keep in mind and to at least be aware of an average vacancy rate in that particular market. I hate this metric mainly because it depends. Maybe some owners suck at getting their properties rented out. So I always feel like the numbers I will get is not that accurate. So I don't really care about the vacancy rate because I might be able to manage the property much better than the current landlord or the current owner who's selling it. So I don't really pay too much sense into this because they're all just pure assumptions and I hate basing my analysis on assumptions that I can control. I can control how long my properties stay on the market. Does that make sense? Anyways, let's move on. Once you have your gross rents and not all of your expenses, the most important thing to calculate now is your NOI or what's known as net operating income. That's basically your gross rents minus expenses. Keep in mind, you aren't including your mortgage principal and interest yet. Only thing you pay together with your mortgage that you calculate part of NOI is taxes and insurance. In this case, our gross rent is $74,000 minus expenses, $19,600, which give us an NOI of $54,400. For my head, once I see this number, I already know things are looking pretty good. First of all, even with the current purchase price, I've already hit the 1% rule or 1.16 to be exact. But guess what? After inspection and whatnot, I'm planning to negotiate this property down to probably $470,000, which will give me a 1.312% rule, if to be exact. You might be like, how will you be able to, to slash 60K on this purchase price? Well, I'm a master negotiator. <laughs> Kidding. But I think I'm pretty up there. I think I'm pretty okay at negotiating. At least that's what I think. Because I come from a country where we used to negotiate even before buying tomatoes or bread at a market or even water, right? Isn't that crazy? 
I'm sure you all think I'm crazy for not even rounding up the 1% rule. I go to the T. So in this case, we're negotiating this down to 470,000. That gives me a 1.312%. Yes, I know mathematically it's still 1%, but I'd rather gotta count every penny, right? Now, just based on this info, I know this will work because it has an NOI of 54,400. I know for this deal, I'll have to put 20% down payment at about 5 to 6% interest rate max. So 20% of 470,000, that means my down payment will be 94,000. Other closing costs will be about 1 to 2%. So let's go with 1.5%. With so that's 7,050. Inspection, other small costs I'm looking at, let's say 3,000. So total. I'll bring to the table to finish everything and have this 10 units money maker will be give or take roughly 104,050. Just from the numbers, I know with having an NOI of 54,400, my principal and interest shouldn't be more than 20K. So I'm looking to be making at least 34,400 every year from this property with doing little work. While also the value of it will start increasing from day one. And that money I put down on down payment, that 94,000 is not just gone like that. That money is an equity I have in that property. So I can do cash out refinance and I can take the money out. I can do whatever I can. That's an equity there. Basically, the money is stored in that property rather than the bank. Don't think, oh, you just spent 104,000 to purchase this property. Technically, if you look at it, I just spent $10,050. That's pretty much the closing cost and the money for the inspection and stuff. The 94 for down payment, that's basically money I'm just gonna take out of the bank account. And instead of leaving it to stay in the bank, I decided to let it stay in the property and it will actually build faster as it been in the bank. Does that make sense? So here technically, I will have this property I spent $10,000 on and I'll be making over $34,000 a year of cash flow after everything is paid. Isn't that great? Now that's the power of real estate and that's how you analyze deals. I give you more in-depth stuff I do when analyzing, but I focus more on cash flow and cap rate or what's known as capitalization rate. There's a bunch of other metrics out there, but I think quite frankly, they're pretty pointless. That's why for me, when I'm analyzing a deal, I just try to focus more on NOI, which I explained about. I try to focus on cash flow and capitalization rate. Cap rate is very important. Basically, cap rate is the rate of return on a real estate investment property based on the income that the property is expected to generate. So here's an example. To find cap rate, we'll be working with $54,400. Remember, that's our NOI after all expenses, not including principal and interest, of course. So we will divide 54,400 divided by $470,000, the price I negotiated it down to, which will give us a cap rate of 11.6%, which is amazing considering most good real estate cap rates max out at about 12 to 13%. Higher than that is most, is not uncommon, but kind of, especially if you're in, in big multis or just multis in general. Unlike single families, obviously cap rate is very, 
very crucial to many investors. In addition to NOI, cash flow, cap rate, the other metric, if you would say, I sometimes look at is cash on cash return, but I could care less about it because like I said, the money I'm spending on down payment is being stored inside the property. I'm not losing it unless something crazy happens. I know I will be judged probably by some investors for saying this, but it's true if you look at it. If you buy right, this metric and other metrics that are focused on how much money you spent to acquire the property, it shouldn't really matter. I welcome anyone to challenge my thinking on that. I love some good old real estate debate, but feel free to reach me out at minoritylandos.com and we can have a debate on what you think I think about that. Bottom line, once you have made all of these calculations, you can make an informed decision about whether a particular property will be a valuable investment or not. The metric I provide those that don't really follow, but in partnerships can be different. You are doing partnership with other people. Sometimes they require more metrics to be shown and those are easy to figure out. I try to focus on the most important metrics. Don't waste too much time on metrics and Google, uh, that gurus are out there spelling right and left because quite frankly, most of them don't even follow it. Just focus on what really matters. If the other metrics matter to you, that's fine, but just make sure though the NOI, cap rate and such makes sense and pull that trigger and go for the deal if that makes sense. Don't spend too much time over complicating this thing. It's not rocket science, folks. As you can see, these are just simple addition, subtraction and division and some understanding of a few concepts. Don't wait to get started in real estate until you understand everything. Just have a decent understanding and jump in because quite frankly, even us who's been in real estate for several years are an expert now. You're not experts yet. There's always more to learn. Life is all about learning. So don't take forever just learning without taking a leap of faith and jumping in. You all have to understand that you need to start taking actions in order to move towards your goal. It doesn't matter how much podcasts you listen to, how many books you read, how much you say you will do this and that and such, if you do not take action towards whatever it is that you are learning, you will never get to whatever it is you want to achieve. So learn as much as you can. Don't wait until you learn everything, but learn as much as you can and take the action. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay hungry. Thank you for listening to Minority Landlords Podcast. Please like and subscribe and leave us a rating on iTunes so that we can reach as many people as possible. We will appreciate it if you tell your friends and family, too, about the podcast. Also visit us at MinorityLandlords.com.